Welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I am Ross. And I am Gordon. So, now the last episode you provided a quick and simple tutorial for using flash outside as your dominant source of light while underexposing the background. All done in camera. I take it you want to go a step further this time? Indeed I do. We have a fellow on who regularly attends the Kelby One Community Live program that I co-host. And this member is a really great photographer. His name is John Dukes. And he brought up very briefly in a, an earlier episode how he likes to use high-speed flash synchronization when he's working outside, and he threw out a couple of reasons for doing so. So I thought maybe we should talk about that. Okay, uh, but let's stop for a second. If I'm outside and the light allows for a good shutter speed, depth of field as I require it, and ISO choices... Why would I even consider bringing a flash into the picture, so to speak? It sounds to me like an unnecessary complication. Well, for lots of folks it might be. If all you want is an image based on what is available to you, then you're absolutely correct, and lots of folks go that route. However, as photographers become more engaged, they tend to want to exert more control over the one thing that is integral to photography, which is, of course, light. That photographer wants more control over the direction, the color, and the quality of the light. And really, when we're working outdoors, the only way to do that is to be in charge of the light. And in this context, that means bringing your own light in the form of a flash. Consider it the sun in your pocket. A flash provides control over direction color and quality, whereas you have less control over the ambient light. It's not like you can send a text to the sun and ask it to move or soften up. And if you can, you're doing the wrong gig. <laughs> In well-lit scenarios, to the point that you make, you've got adequate shutter speed, the depth of field you want, the ISO you want. The only way that you're going to be able to use flash for that is through the process of high-speed flash synchronization. Okay, well, that clarifies the issue of why and what benefit it provides. But before you get into that, uh, maybe you should explain what high-speed sync actually is. Certainly. As most folks know, the flash synchronization speed in your camera is the shortest shutter open duration where the first curtain has opened fully before the second curtain starts closing. And I think we've talked about how shutters are composed of two curtains in the past, yes? Mm -hmm. Yep. Having done all that, uh, so how would someone know if they had a shutter speed that was set too high? Well, candidly, with modern cameras and modern flash, this is a rarity, particularly with 
TTL flash. We're, we're metering the flash through the lens. But folks often want to go fully manual for whatever reason. They think it's better or, again, whatever reason they choose. So, for example, if the camera's maximum or what we call shortest duration shutter speed that allows for first curtain to be fully open before the second curtain starts to close. We call this the flash sync speed. Let's suppose that is one 250th of a second. However, if that photographer chooses or inadvertently sets the shutter speed to a shorter duration, let's say one 500th of a second, that second curtain will have started closing before the flash has fired. This isn't an issue of flash duration. Flash durations are very, very short. It's actually when the flash is initiated. That second curtain has already started closing. And the consequence is very obvious. What we'll see in the frame, or pardon me, the finished image, is part of the frame will be properly exposed and part of the frame will be darker. It's not a good result, and in most all cases can be avoided by not letting the shutter speed be a shorter duration than the flash sync speed when flash is used. And it, knowing you, you will use flash whenever you can, if you think that it's going to benefit the image. Yeah, I will. But there are situations where I will need a shorter duration shutter speed than the flash sync speed is capable of, but I still want to use the flash. To your point, what if it's a beautiful sunny day out there and I can't get the shutters below 1 250th of a second? And I'm assuming then that this is where the high-speed sync or HSS, as it's noted on the camera, uh, comes in. Precisely. It's important to note that both the camera and the flash must be able to support high-speed synchronization. Used to be a problem, although these days it's a pretty standard offering across almost all cameras and flashes that we can purchase. So, what's an example that you would need or where you would need or want to use the flash outdoors and invoke the high-speed sync to get the result? A very common scenario, and one that I've run into myself and that others have, is for portraits, as well as pet photography. And let's suppose that you've gone out and you've spent money on a lens with a has a very large aperture, and you've spent that money because you want to make images with very shallow depth of field. Now, in my case, I want the eyes to be tack sharp, and I'm quite content that everything else softens off quickly. So I could potentially be shooting with an aperture at set at f2, or f1.4, or even f1.2. And we know, because we've discussed depth of field as length, this means that the depth of field is razor thin. But it also means there's lots of light coming through the lens. So let's say that in our scenario, we're in open shade, and I take a meter reading in the camera with a nice low ISO set for best color, let's say ISO 100, and I'm choosing that because most all cameras can go that low. The meter tells me that I'm gonna need a shutter speed 
over 125th of a second at f11 because my subject is in open shade. But I don't want to shoot at f11. That's too much depth of field. Okay. So I, so I can see where this is going. This is going... There's going to be more depth of field provided by the conditions that you have than what you actually want uh, at these settings. Right. Now, I know that on my camera, the flash synchronization speed is 1 250th of a second. And I understand how the exposure triangle works. And so if I open the lens up one stop f8, the proper shutter speed is going to jump to 1 250th of a second which happens to be my camera's flash sync speed. So in traditional terms, if I want to use flash, I have to stop there. But that obviously is not what you want. It's still more depth of field than what I want. Let's say that I'm using my go-to portrait lens, which for me is a 70-200 QA. I know from experience that I tend to position myself at a distance where to get the human face the way I want it, my focal length is about 180 millimeters. It's one of the reasons I like the zoom. Now I'm going to check PhotoPills, an app that we've discussed at great length, and I find that if I'm about eight feet away and I want to shoot at 28, I'm going to get about 30 centimeters of depth of field on my Canon R5, using that as an example. 30 centimeters is about a foot, and I sure don't want any more depth of field than that. So, if I'm at that camera-to-subject distance, and I lock focus on the nearest eye, because I'm pretty close, I'm going to have about 15 centimeters behind the focus point and 15 centimeters in front of the focus point, that will be in focus. That means the face is going to be all sharp. And then behind the head, things are going to start to fall off. And hopefully I've got nothing in front of the head to worry about. So now I've got to figure out how to get the aperture to f2.8, which means I have to lower the ISO or raise the shutter speed. Since most cameras don't go below 100 ISO, I don't have an option there. And that means I'm going to have to make a four-stop change in aperture that's going to have to be compensated by a four-stop change in shutter speed. Uh, be more specific, please. Sure. In our example, we know that we could make a successful exposure at f8, at 1 250th of a second. But I want the aperture to be f2.8. That means opening up f8 to 5.6 to 4 2.8. So that means I've got to shorten the duration of the shutter speed. Quite a lot, apparently. Right, because now I've got to go 250 to a 500 to 1,000 to a two-thousandth of a second. Right. And now my exposure is going to be identical. Two-thousandth at two-eight is the same as two-fiftieth at f-eight. Okay. So where does the flash come in on this? 
Well, here's the challenge, because now I need to invoke that high-speed synchronization function on the camera and the lens. I'm going to set the camera to a 2,000th of a second shutter speed, the aperture to 2.8, and the ISO to 100. Okay, that's going to give me the ambient exposure. Now I need to make the flash work. So I'm going to turn on the flash, and I'm going to set it to high-speed sync and TTL flash metering. I certainly could go manual on the flash, but I'm, I've found over lots of years of experience that TTL will give me a more appropriate result faster so long as I remember my responsibility to fill the frame with the subject. Then I take a test shot. Okay, so just uh, for the people who may not be aware, uh, turning the high-speed sync on on the flash generally involves uh, there's either a little toggle switch that'll turn it on or off. Yes. Or depending on the mode that your flash is in, you may have a menu-driven selection point. Maybe may have a bunch of things that allow you to change the group and um, the various settings on the flash. And one of them might be turn the uh, high-speed sync on as just a selection from, from the menu. Absolutely, and also in the camera. Be and on the, on the camera. Yes. Right, because you've got to tell the camera, hey, we're playing high-speed sync. So what do you do if the exposure does not look right? You said, you said that TTL should take care of this, but let's say it doesn't. And the ambient exposure is right because that's what you, is what matters at that point. What if the flash is making things look too bright? Well, if that happens, it's common to blame the flash. But really, the higher probability is that it's because there's too much background in the metering space. So I'm going to check my framing, and I'm also going to ensure that I'm limiting the metering field. In my case, in this scenario, I'd go to spot metering off the nearest eye. Matrix metering is usually very good, but I've discovered that if the background contributes more than 35-40% of the frame, and is particularly brighter or darker than the subject, the TTL flash exposure can get thrown off. Mm -hmm. So again, I fall back to one of our many salmonisms that we talk about. The name of the game is to fill the frame. And if the flash is not as bright as you want? Well, this can happen with high-speed synchronization because the flash actually has to fire multiple times during the exposure. If there's not enough power available for when the flash is firing in high-speed sync mode, then the image is not going to get the desired flash output. Right, so how do you uh, address this? Because my understanding is that when you're using high-speed sync, the flash never actually fires at uh, whatever it would otherwise be capable of doing. Each flash is of a reduced intensity. That is correct. And so what we have to do is we have to make it easier on the flash. So I break this into four potential solutions. The cheapest is move closer. <laughs> we know that light works on an inverse square law. So as we reduce the distance between the flash and the subject, 
and let's presume the flash is on the camera for simplicity. If I move closer and back off on the focal length so I get what I want in the frame, I may find that I'm now getting a successful exposure in high-speed sync, because the flash doesn't have to work as hard for each of its pops. A second alternative, and the one that I tend to prefer, is get the flash off the camera and use the radio remote so I can put the flash closer to the subject than the camera is. Now, I might use a stand or a tripod or a platypod to do that, or some mechanism to keep the flash closer to my subject. This also gives me more directional control of the light, which I think is a good thing, because it's now just not coming right off the top of the camera, but it means more kit. I'm carrying something in addition where I'm, on where I'm going to place the flash. The third option, and one that's sometimes forgotten, is that the reason we're not getting enough light from the flash is that it's running out of power. So what we could do is give it more power to improve its flash recycle time. Some flashes can use an external battery pack, and their whole purpose is not to get more flashes, but to reduce recycle time. I've used the OEM packs and the packs that are made offshore, which cost a lot less, and I've not found any difference in functionality. So these external packs can help a lot. Typically they'll take eight AA batteries or some greater number of AA batteries and connect to the flash. However, the flash has to support an external pack for this potential solution to work. Now the final solution, and the most expensive, obviously, is go to a more powerful flash. Now if we're talking about the most common hot shoe mount flash, a decent one is going to put out about 250 watt seconds. If I want more than that, I'm going to have to probably go to a strobe. And strobe we know is just a bigger external flash. A strobe of 500 watt seconds output brings a full extra stop of light power. A strobe of 1000 watt seconds brings two full stops of light power. Although the downside to that is that you might start needing AC power or big packs or be able to run a cable to your car batteries to, to fire it. And I gotta be honest, man, if you're not getting paid for those shots, that's a big expense and it may not be worth your while. So is this the most common need uh, for high-speed sync? I don't know that it's the most common, but it's the one that I hear about the most. Uh, it's very beneficial to be able to use high-speed sync whenever you want flash to be your dominant source, or even as a fill when your required shutter speed is above the flash synchronization speed that's built into the camera. Okay. Well, uh, that certainly simplifies it. So do I pay more for a flash capable of high-speed sync? You don't have to. My most commonly recommended hot shoe flash, the Godox TT685 Model 2, has both TTL and HSS built in. Sells at B&H for around 130 bucks, 
and is available to speak native TTL to just about any camera out there. Okay. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Uh, I have a few of those flashes myself, and um, you were right when you said earlier that most of this is now pretty much standard equipment on on any flash. It's hard to buy a flash that won't do this. You Learning do have to how work to use it. it is a different thing altogether, but it is there for you. So that's a good introduction to high speed sync. So, and why you might want to use it. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I am Gordon. And I am Ross. Thank you all for listening and for subscribing to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. If you shop at BNH Photo Video, do so through the link on the main page of our site. It costs you nothing and pays a small commission to help us keep things going around here. Until next time, peace.